following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw or our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. The music this morning was incredibly appropriate to, uh, to what I want to share, so thank you, Musos, for uh, leading us in that today. As uh, we're thinking about the seasons of life and uh, the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm sure that'll come up in a second. But if you've got the scriptures with you, turn to Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 3. And this is a portion of scripture which, uh, it strikes me, uh, is misunderstood sometimes. And uh, today I want to, I guess, reclaim um, the importance of the book of Ecclesiastes for Christian life and for human life generally, and particularly this poem in, uh, in chapter three. Uh, as we sang this morning, uh, we talked a lot about the seasons in which we find ourselves, the seasons of life. And so before I say anything, I want you to pause and in your own reflection for a moment, ask yourself, how would you name uh, the season of life that you're in right now? How would you name it? Um, What are the characteristics of the season of life for you? Just take a moment to think about your season of life and how you would name that. I've just turned 60, about to turn 61. We actually have three granddaughters now and a fourth one on the way, a fourth grandchild. So time uh, marches on even after a bio is written. Um, And last week, uh, the Laidlaw College board went down to Christchurch And um, when we were there, we looked at some of the houses that were destroyed uh, and whole streets that were in need of repair. And I guess we thought and named to ourselves a season of life for people which was incredibly difficult. And uh, it begged all sorts of questions about, you know, what remains and how does one face the future uh, when years of work and presence and labour have been destroyed. Uh, How does one recover from that? How does the city recover from that? What will it look like this year, next year, 10 years, 20 years? And what about the possibility of more earthquakes? For my 61st birthday, we're going back to Sydney in a week or two's time, we're going to go and see Pink in concert. Yeah, I know that uh, you probably don't sing pink songs here, right, during the worship uh, session. I try each year to go to one sort of cultural event that keeps me in touch with young people. Uh, Not that pink is only for young people, she's for all, I guess, but I find pink really interesting. And um, she is one of those who's on a search for wisdom and what to do in the seasons of life. Um, She's written a song called Beam Me Up. Uh, and it seems to be, the, the lyric it seems to be uh, that of a mother who has lost her child and would just love to be reunited with this little lost child, even if briefly. If only there was another minute just to smile, just to touch, just to be in the presence of this lost one. Um, Pink sings these lyrics, and if you can see them, I'll play a little bit of the song. Um, about this desperate desire for more time. 
She's longing for another place where life can be restored. <clears throat> you ever wish you had just one more minute? One more minute. Do you ever feel like we're running out of time? That there isn't enough time for this season of life? That somehow um, God is robbing us of opportunity or that life is so hectic, so busy that we, we can't cope in the times in which we find ourselves? This is one of the themes of Ecclesiastes and it's one of those themes which leads the author of Ecclesiastes to say this, vanity of vanities, all is vanity, all is vanity, vanity of vanity says the preacher, all is vanity, uh, these are the words with which the book starts in 1-2 and uh, they are the words uh, with which the preacher concludes in 12-8. And uh, it has led many people to say, well, Ecclesiastes is actually a book that declares life to be sort of meaningless. And perhaps we should just give up. And perhaps being Christian is about going to heaven and getting away from the earth. And perhaps work isn't a joy. And perhaps we just ought to long for eternity and get out of here. Perhaps spiritual disciplines only have to do with escape I guess I want to say that the search that Pink is on through the lyrics of a song like that and the search that I think all of us are on in the season of life in which we find ourselves, whether it's a season of loss or a season of waiting or a season of joy or a season of transition, perhaps a, a season of complexity and questioning or a season of disaster that the book of Ecclesiastes will help us to make sense of the season we're in and impel us, as it did New Testament authors, to a greater understanding of the gospel which Jesus reveals subsequently. And it's my understanding that when the preacher of Ecclesiastes says, vanity, 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 and the word is used over 30 times in this book, the preacher doesn't mean that everything is meaningless. The preacher doesn't mean that everything is to be escaped from. What does he mean? The Hebrew word for vanity is the word hevel, from which we get the name Abel in Genesis. Cain and Abel. Hevel. It means a breath. It means passing away, can't be grasped. When the preacher says vanity of vanity, he's using the same word for a breeze that blows or a breath that is seen briefly that will be repeated. And he's not saying things are meaningless in my understanding. He's saying things change. Things pass by. You can't hold on to the present. Nothing lasts. Everything is transient. You and I live in a world which is always moving. And surely this is one of the great insights of what we call the postmodern era, that things are changing all the time. We have perspectives. And we can't grasp anything and to sort of block it in 
some sort of systematic controlling way is impossible. And that's what science and technology tried to do perhaps in the 20th century and we ended up with all sorts of disasters. But if this is an insight of scripture from thousands of years ago, then it's not a new insight in the 21st century, is it? I want to suggest that the author of Ecclesiastes is saying two things about reality. And in saying this, I want to suggest that the gospel is great because the gospel is for the real world. The gospel is not an escape from heaven or to heaven from earth. The gospel is not a denial of reality. It's an embrace of reality. And so the first thing the preacher is saying about reality is you can't keep the present. Things are passing by. You can't keep the present. And he's going to say that a person who is wise accepts that. That foolishness is trying to hold on to what you can't keep. But more than that, the writer is saying that the world in which we live is elusive. Not only can't we keep it, but we can't control it. It's resistant to human control. We can't, if we live in Christchurch or Wellington more recently, we can't control whether there will be another earthquake or not. Wisdom would say, accept that and trust God for what you can't control because in the mind of the author of Ecclesiastes, God keeps and God controls in a unique and sovereign way, but humans can't and don't. In Psalm 7.13, the author says, the merest of breaths... Everything is a breath. Everything is passing by. I think that's what Pink is struggling with in her song. Somebody she loved has passed by. Somebody she loved has passed by. Any of us here who have tried raising children know that you can't control things. And for us now with three grandchildren, you can't control things. I used to be a high school teacher and I still remember a breakthrough in my profession, in my career, when I realised that as a teacher my task was not to control the classroom but to love the students. And there is a really big difference between control and love. Control is imposed, love is invitational. Control can become manipulative. And when it fails, angry. Love is relational. And when it fails, it's disappointing. But love presses in. Control gives up. There's a point in all of our lives, if we're going to be wise on biblical terms, when we're going to need to surrender the myth or illusion that we control things or that we keep things. So what should we do in the book of Ecclesiastes? How should we live? 
What's wisdom according to the author? Should we despair or become melancholic? Should we live carefree, denial, selfishness? Should we dream about transhumanism and eugenics and robotics and becoming a greater, different sort of human who conquers and controls? Should we become suicidal? Should we step out of reality and escape? Well, the words of Ecclesiastes are like these. And today, I believe the author of Ecclesiastes has something life-transforming for all of us if we will adhere. The author says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. And that's the first group of seven. And it's meant to say, as it does at the beginning, I'm talking about everything. I'm talking about the whole of life. I'm talking about everything. But then he does it again. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What's he saying? He's saying that the times that God gives us are to be lived in well but you'll never hold on to them he's saying that wisdom includes a theology of time and that we need if we are to serve God well to think carefully about how we live in the times God has given us this is a key to the book And currently in our time, in our 21st century modern time, time is thought of as a commodity, something to be used. And most often it's thought of in terms of money. And so we have all these sayings about time which have been gathered by some people who've studied this, such as, you're wasting my time. How do you spend your time these days? That flat tyre cost me an hour. I've invested a lot of time in her. I don't have enough time to spare. You're running out of time. You need to budget your time. Put aside some time. Is it worth your while? Do you have much time left? He's living on borrowed time. You don't use your time profitably. I lost a lot of time when I got sick. 
language shapes reality for us. Language names reality. And in the modern world in which we're embedded, time has become commodified. It's like a product to use or save or spare or lose or invest or borrow. It's like money. And I want to suggest today that if this is the way we think about time, we will not be living faithfully out of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's that fundamental, isn't it? That being Christian, being human, is not just about prayer and praise and fellowship groups. It is about that, but it's also about questioning the mainstream cultures of which we are a part because they rise up out of a completely other way of being human and we've got to question them at their most basic and time is one of those most basic things, isn't it? So what would the author of Ecclesiastes say about time? Well, many things, but let me suggest that the first thing the author says is this, time is not running out but times change. And fundamentally, time is a gift. And God is a great giver, a generous giver, and God gives enough. One of the great tenets of consumerism is that you need to be dissatisfied, you need to be unsatisfied, and your unsatisfaction or your dissatisfaction will drive you to want more and more and more and more. Consume and consume and have another experience and another experience and another trip and another adrenaline flow and multiple experiences and great choice technologically. But that idea that time has to be filled up because it's empty and we're in control is not in the scriptures. Time is a created gift and it's already full. The Lord inhabits time and we're invited into this gift in relationship with the present God and with the times in which we find ourselves. There is a sense in which Christians need to regain a sense of the sacrament of time. We've just had the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. It's a means of grace when we reflect on what Jesus did for us on the cross. Time is a sacrament. It's a means of grace. The present is a sacrament which invites us to be present for each other and not to be distracted in a culture of distraction. We've recently had the the visit of John Swinton, who's written in his recent book on dementia. And he's asking the question in the book, what does it mean to be human if you can't remember anything? Are you less than human if your memory is gone? You know what his answer is? His answer is that we are human because we're held in the memories of God and others 
as well as ourselves. And our gift to those whose memories appear to be going is to remember with them. And our gift to each other today is to be remembered as Christ-like people in time. He tells the story of Anne Goldingay. Anne, who has died since this story, had multiple sclerosis. She couldn't speak in the last 10 years of her life, and her husband, John Goldingay, was a lecturer at Fuller Seminary. And John Goldingay says this at the beginning of one of his lectures. He gives an invitation to his students to join him and Anne for pancakes at their home the following week. Anne has severe multiple sclerosis. She is significantly disabled. She can't move or speak, and she doesn't appear to remember anything. Golden Gay tells the students that Anne probably won't recognise them or remember them, but he urges them to take time to speak with her just the same and he says to his students quote she probably won't remember you afterwards but in that moment she will appreciate you Golden Gay's encouragement to his students is born out of a deep love for his wife and a desire to affirm to her and to others the meaningfulness of her presence in the moment. He has learned to meet with her in moments. He wants others to share the moment. It might only be a moment, but it's a moment that is a sacrament of grace. An encouragement from the book of Ecclesiastes for all of us today would be learn to live for God and others in the moment, in the present. Learn to get beyond dissatisfaction with the moment that makes us be distracted because we're waiting for the next one or the one way down there and because we think we're running out of time and because we think time is a commodity to fill. Learn to be in the moment with God as a present gift to others. The scriptures would say to us, time is not empty, waiting to be filled. Time is Godful, inhabited by God who is an incarnated God in Christ through the Spirit. One of the claims of consumerism is that everything is empty until we fill it. We are empty selves. We need to be filled with experiences and products. And so we're encouraged to rush and pace and choices and multiplicities and lots of options all the time. And this has been a move of modernism right through history in the last couple of hundred years. When colonizers from England came to Australia, they saw the land in its rugged beauty and they declared it to be empty. Terra nullius, they said. Empty land. They saw nothing there. But there were people 
Indigenous Australians, there was a glorious creation, there was a cultural representation, there was presence, but they said it's empty and we must fill it with European civilization. And now we're told time is empty and you and I need to fill it. Time is God-filled. Time is a created gift. Time is for relationship, opportunity, listening, responding, celebrating, touching, reflecting, as well as pace and urgency at times. And time cannot be extracted from the times and places in which we find ourselves. I've recently been reading Anne Voskamp's book, 1,000 Gifts. I won't tell you her story. It's a story of challenge and tragedy, living on a farm, six children, her sister's tragic death, run over in the driveway when she was four. But she decides at a point in her life that she's going to write a list of a thousand gifts that God has given her. Not a bucket list, but a gift list. And she starts putting down all the gifts in her life. At one point in her book she writes, If the church is in Christ, its initial act is always an act of thanksgiving, of returning the world to God. If I am truly in Christ, mustn't my initial act also always be an act of thanksgiving, returning to Jesus with thanks on my lips? Becoming a receiver of gift in time is one of the keys in Ecclesiastes. Not trying to control, not refusing to let go, but receiving as a gift. And so in Ecclesiastes, the author goes on to say this, and very briefly, we'll consider it. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, this passage, along with numbers of others, sets up the basic choice that all of us have to make. And that is, do we live out of gift or do we live for self-gain? He asks the question in 3.9, What do workers gain? And he's saying, you know, if you only work because you think you can hold on to gain, you're a fool. You need to learn to work because work is good. Be happy, do good, eat, drink, find satisfaction in your toil, is what he's saying. Learn to think of life as a gift. Don't think that you do it just for what you can get back, hold on to and accumulate. And this is the case right through the book. Why are we human today? Is it for profit 
reward, bonus, holding on to things, heaping up things, or is it gift, gratitude, grace, and thanksgiving? This is a fundamental choice. And so many of the heroes of modern culture are those who've got great gain but have lost a sense of gift. This is the basic choice in the book. Learning to live out of gift or demanding to live for gain. If we will live for gift, we will hold more lightly who we are in our time and place. We will lament, we will struggle, but we will not claim independent, desperate, holding on to things as the purpose of life. If we live out of gift, we will be responsive, thankful, receptive, and in the words of Ecclesiastes, we'll learn to cast our bread on the waters and perhaps receive them back in due course. But that's not the point. Why do we give? We don't give to get. We give to give, to give, to give. Why did God give? God gives because God is gracious and kind. God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has set eternity in our hearts. There is a sort of a sense of take a breath. Become content. Learn to accept the times you're in and start living out of gift in this book. And so look at some of the texts in Ecclesiastes that flesh out this theology. The writer says, I know there is nothing better for people than to be happy and do good while they live. I saw there is nothing better for people than to enjoy their work. That is... God's gift, your lot. This is what I've observed to be good. It's appropriate for people to eat, drink, find satisfaction in their toilsome labor. I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for people under the sun than eat and drink and be glad. Where do we get the idea that Ecclesiastes is a sort of sad book? Where do we get the idea that he's against everything, that everything's meaningless? Go, eat your food with gladness. Drink your wine with a joyful heart. God has already approved what you do in 9.7. Sow your seed in the morning. Sorry, I commend the enjoyment of life. There is nothing better for people under the sun than eat and drink and be glad. Go and eat your food with gladness. Drink your wine with a joyful heart. God has approved. Whatever your hand finds you to do, do it with all your might. There it is. Sow your seed in the morning. At evening let your hands not be idled, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will be equally well. You are young. Be happy while you're young. Let your hearts give you joy. The writer of Ecclesiastes is basically saying, look, receive God's gift of time and learn to live well in the time. To do this requires us to trust in a God who is good. But let me finish with the words of Jesus today 
from the New Testament because the writer of Ecclesiastes doesn't have a lot of understanding about heaven or hell or eternity. So in Jesus' parable in Luke 12, I think he takes the words of Ecclesiastes and he fleshes them out a little more fully. This is what he says. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. In other words, this person is living for gain. Jesus says, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between the two of you? And then he said, watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. And so he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. That's gift. He thought to himself, what will I do? I have no place to store my crops. This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store my surplus. That's gain. I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. That's foolishness. God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you prepared for yourself? That's foolishness. This is how it will be with those who store up for themselves but are not rich towards God. It's a fundamental choice in life that we all have today. Are we living out of gift, grace, gratitude, thanksgiving, holding lightly to the times because we believe a good God is in control? Or are we living for gain and profit and self and demanding this as though we can take it all with us? As though life's about making a profit rather than receiving a gift? Do we have a theology of time which allows us to be present for others in the moment as a sacrament of grace? These are the challenges of Ecclesiastes. So let me encourage you to read the book, enjoy the challenge, read it through to Jesus and get a gospel for every season of life. Let me pray for us and then we'll hand back. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we hear a challenge from your word today. Whether we will be generous grateful people living out of your gift or something else so help us to reflect on that today and to leave this place more, dis more determined to be your disciples as you challenge us to live well in the times you've given us with their challenges and their opportunities Father we thank you that your spirit is present we pray that you will speak to each one and renew each heart in this moment, in Jesus' name, amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit 
www.shore.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shore.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.